offbeat to it. That was one time. Hello. I haven't got long enough nails to do this anymore. And welcome. Um, what do they do? Stop trying to do ASMR. We already have a thing, you know. Stop it. Stop it. Right, I'm, I'm I love the sound of pages turning. Um. Hey. Hey, Ben. Hey. Hey, Andrea. Are you ready for your bedtime story? Born ready. Okay. I am really excited because I am going... It's really hot. I need to clean my glasses. Right, Evie, sit down. Come on. Good girl. This feels like a before the podcast starts. I didn't realise. <laughs> I didn't realise until... Um, my face is very hot. Okay, this week I'm telling you about the crime of the century. Last century. Um, we're doing the Limburg kidnapping. Have you heard about this? I've heard of it. I don't know enough a lot about it. Oh, okay. So, Evie, there's no treat. No! Oh, Ben, she's got that duck bone. Oh, you got it. Good save. Good save. No. We had, dead, we had Chinese earlier and Ben found a, a little bone in it that he put on the coffee table and Evie tried to eat it. <sighs> right, any more, any more disruptions? No. Evie, come on, come sit down. So, uh, if anyone is interested in where I got my information from, I went to Wikipedia and I watched a PBS documentary, which you can find on YouTube. Um, it was really good. So... Charles Lindbergh, she looks like a meerkat, was born in 1902 and he achieved world fame because he did. I'm gonna put it in a. Is that empty? Yeah. Put it in a glass so she can't get it. He achieved world fame because he did the first solo transatlantic flight. It was the longest non-stop flight at the time, almost 2,000 miles. Imagine the achievement, the feeling of success. Um, I think he went from, I want to say it was from America to Paris. But he was like the first person to do it on his own, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he did it in 1927. He was only 25 years old. And people refer to him after this as Lucky Lindy as like a nickname um it was considered a turning point in history for aviation so this is him there's a little picture of him by his plane cool yep um he was like an inventor and an aviator and did loads of cool stuff um he met Anne farrow the following year he taught her how to fly imagine that what a date and they married in 1929 they had a baby boy, which they called Charlie, who was born 22nd of June, 1930. Sorry, should I put that in your way? You turned it on. Ooh, that was a nice breeze. So they set up home in uh, Hopewell, New Jersey, and everything is going well. So here is, oh, let me try and find it. But there's a picture of their their little baby 
there's Charlie. Have a little sneaky peek when you can. That's just him. Little bit of a baby. Um, yeah. He is, and I'm going to say this properly because I'm not having all this fucking parent bullshit crap. Um, he was nearly two. One year, eight months. Everything I read was like, he was 20 minutes old. And I don't think there's anything I despise more than parents that are like, hey, have you met my son? He's 46 months. Yeah, this is Ellie May. This is Ava May, and she is um, 72 months old. <laughs> and she loves Peppa Pig. Get out. I also apologise if anyone has kids out there that listen are called Ellie May or whatever. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with a kid Ellie May, just to no. be clear, that's not what Andrew's. You that's chose not what's blinding Andrew's. You've got to deal with it. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so everything's great. Um, he was like, they were like proper celebrities, these two, because at the time that was such a, a, an amazing thing he'd done. Um, it didn't last though, because <clears throat> March the 1st, 1932, at about 10 pm, Lindbergh's nurse, um, a lady called Betty Gow, um, found that Charlie was not with Anne, the mum. Uh, what? No, we're podcasting. And you Wait should be in bed. Go on, bye. Shut the door. Um, so the mum Anne had just got out of the bath and they realised that Charlie's not with the mum. So Betty then goes to alert Charles and um, they go to the baby's room and find that Charlie is gone. There's a ransom note, um, badly written, bad grammar, bad handwriting, all that, that's left in an envelope on the windowsill. Um, so Charles takes his gun and him and the butler, Ollie, go and search outside. Um, there's like some sort of impressions in the ground under the window of the baby's room, but there's not any full on footprints. And there's a homemade ladder um, and then a baby blanket on the floor. So Ollie rings um, the Hotwell police and Charlie contacts his friend and attorney, Henry Brickenridge, and he calls the New Jersey State Police. So the facts of this case, this is the only bits that we know are concrete that are definite, is sometime between 8 and 10, one or possibly more people came to their house with a homemade ladder. It left scrape marks on the right side of Charlie's bedroom window and they climbed in and entered through the unlocked window and they snatched Charlie. They might have silenced him or rendered him unconscious because nobody in the house recalls hearing him cry. Although I don't know how big, the house was fairly big, so that makes me wonder, would you have heard the baby cry? Mm, possibly, I don't know. They wouldn't have had baby The baby was asleep, maybe so, not. Yeah. Um, they left the ladder and they must have used something like a car to get away. So the ransom notes, um, demands $50,000 for his safe return and warned there would be trouble if they involved the police. There's no fingerprints on the, um, well, anywhere in, in the baby's bedroom or on the ladder, so we've got to assume that they probably wore gloves or something to cover their hands to hide that. Um, and some of the people on this PBS drama are like FBI investigators and, um, expert they had like an expert carpenter to look at the ladder and stuff um to try and figure out stuff that might help so my first thought which is what they said about this is was their inside help because this house was under construction it wasn't finished 
So the Limburgs normally only stayed at the house on weekends, and this was on a Tuesday evening. They spent the weekdays at Anne's parents' house, um, but this time Charlie had a cold and Anne didn't want him to travel. But the kidnappers would have needed to know that they would have been in on a Tuesday to have gone and kidnapped this baby. And they're not normally there. And they're not normally there. Oh, Jesus. Um, hmm. The, so they, it's very complicated, I'm not going to get into all of it, but there was a, a lot of back and forth in between um, the kidnappers and the Lindberghs. There was quite a few ransom notes. So eventually the ransom note was put in a custom wooden box, hoping that they could identify later on. And they didn't give um, marked bills, but they did keep a record of all the serial numbers of the bills they put in this box. And they included some gold certificate bills, which have just got a, like a little gold circle thing on them. Um, they were about to be withdrawn from circulation, so they were hoping if somebody spend them later on, they could then find out about it. Um, so one of the other ransom notes that was sent to them was postmarked from Brooklyn, and it told the Lindberghs that a, a man they knew called John Condon, who was a retired teacher, should be the middleman between the two parties. So he told them to put a notice in the paper when they had the money ready. The meeting was scheduled one night in a cemetery because they always seem to be scheduled in cemeteries, secret meetups, don't they? That's a very Sherlock Holmes thing, I feel. Do you know what I mean? Like a thing. Yeah. Oh, Evie's getting involved in this chat. Shit. Um, John said the man sounded foreign and he stayed in the shadows so he didn't get a very clear look of him I'm calling suspicious um, they exchanged the money for a note and apparently this note was going to say where the baby was and the note only said that the baby is in the care of two women <laughs> so probably should have checked that um May the 12th, a delivery truck driver, Orville Wilson, and his assistant, William Allen, um, do the trucker thing that guys can easily get away with, and they stop at the side of the road to go for a piss quickly. And it is only when they are going through to find somewhere a bit secluded to go and take a wee that they come across Ben. Ignore the dog. I'm listening to you as well. Thank you. They come across a body, and it's the body of a toddler. That was tiny. And they come across Ben. <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't there. Okay. It wasn't um, They find a decomposing body of a toddler. The skull is badly fractured, the body is decomposed, there's evidence of scavenging from am animals, and there's indications of a hasty burial. And it turns out it is the body of Charlie Lindbergh. He was less than five miles from his home. Um... There was cracks in the bottom part of the ladder and police theorised that the ladder um, could have been like, about to break and that could have startled the kidnapper and they could have possibly dropped the toddler from the top of the ladder, fracturing the baby's skull. However, the person in this um, documentary that I watched, who was called... Um, Jesus. Get, get your laughs out of the way, Ben. There was a guy called John Douglas, who was an FBI profiler, and a man called John Butts, <laughs> who is a chief medical examiner. 
North Carolina. Um, There's a guy in the complaints team of a company that we work alongside, uh-huh. uh, and his surname is Balls, which <laughs> just tickles me every time. Balls. Balls. You'd change that surely, like yeah. legally you'd have to, wouldn't you? Um, I changed it to something cool, like Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> John Maverick. <laughs> so oh, fucking hell, what is going on here? Can't shoot. Sorry. I play games whilst you know, I do this, and I'm having a bad game. It's starting to feel like we should have had a different thing <laughs> inside this. It's fine, play a game. It's starting to feel like we're going to do what? We should have had a different thing for this podcast. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Can't fucking shoot! <laughs> oh, right, okay. It's fine, play a game. But so, this is what we've always done. I know, it's fine, continue. So, the um, baby skulls. So there's a... Stop it, there's no food. She's like a little meerkat. So on the left side of Charlie's skull, there's a big fracture. And then behind his right ear, there's a smaller fracture, almost like a hole in his skull. Um, And the police think that the reason there is a hole in the right side of his head is because when they found the body, one of the police took a stick and poked him. (laughs) What, like... You want to see a dead body? That's not a professional thing to that's like the kind of thing you'd expect a kid to do isn't it like oh look hey kid you dead <laughs> yeah yeah um but the chief of medical examiner who looked over this case john butt said that <laughs> <laughs> a stick couldn't do that a stick's not going to go through a skull yeah a stick can't put no. a hole in somebody's head so and this i'm really sorry this is horrific so he says that what he thinks happened is it wasn't an accident that caused the first skull fracture and then this small hole in the side of his head he thinks that it is a case of that charlie was held down um on his left side and the right side where the small hole is that was where he was possibly struck with something and the force of being held against the floor whilst being struck in the right side of the head fractured the left side of his skull which is a much worse way to go mm. horrific um like why would you need to hold down a child that small yeah it's really sad isn't it whilst you were doing something like that like it's not nice um so there was part of i will tell you this this is not an like a cold case but there is many theories and what people believe could have happened so like it's sort of been solved it, but it has sort of been solved still but dispute it. yeah okay so one obviously they're thinking about inside an inside help um a woman named violet sharp was a suspect for helping them because she gave contradictory info on her whereabouts committed the night of the kidnapping um she was uh what do they call it, it she was investigated by the police like she was um interviewed three times and after the third time um she was so sort of like distraught about um not being believed or the way they spoke to her that she um actually took her own life by ingesting silver polish which contains cyanide um, and she was dead within minutes that was on the 10th of june 1932 an alibi later confirmed where she was and the police were heavily criticised for their handling of that, that part of the case. Um, John Condon, the guy who took the ransom money, is also a suspect and his home is searched. They couldn't find anything and Charles Lindbergh stood by him throughout the whole thing. Doesn't believe he has anything to do with it. 
So two, it couldn't have been him. It was me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two and a half years later after the kidnapping, it, they've kind of got no more leads and it's just kind of gone a bit cold. Um, a man buys, this shows the time, I guess, he buys eight, 98 cents worth of gas and he pays with a gold certificate bill at this gas station. And the gas attendant um, is like, this is a little bit suspicious because gold certificate bills have been out of circulation for about a year and the bank might not even take this money. So I'm going to write down this car's registration on the end of the bill just in case anything dodgy's going on here. Um, and that guy was a, met, um, a guy called Richard Houtman. Richard? Houtman. Okay. Houtman? Hop- I don't know. Richard. Richard Houtman uh, was Dickie. a... Dickie. <laughs> Dickie? Possibly. They call him Dick, didn't they? Yeah. In Americans. That's... Surely you're going to drive out a Ricky or a Rick, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's not the same though, Ricky Van Dyke, is it? Huh? Ricky Van Dyke? No. I'm sorry, no. Dick Van Dyke. Virgil Van Dyke. Virgil Van Dyke. <laughs> Why not? That's a real name. Is it? Yeah, he plays for Liverpool. He's like a megastar. Oh, well, I was not fucking supposed to know that. Because you're married to a Liverpool fan. Okay, right. Talks about it a lot. Yeah. Richard Dickie Hellman. Dickie? Dickie Hellman. Was a German immigrant carpenter. Um... And in his house, they found 14 grams worth of the ransom money. They found it in his garage, and they also found a handgun, so they arrested him on the spot. Yeah, should say. Yeah. Um, so, he is supposedly interrogated and beaten by the police, but he says he's got no idea about the kidnapping and haven't got a clue. And it is January the 3rd, 1935, that the trial of the century starts. And it is absolute fucking chaos. Like, there are so many reporters there. Every hotel room is booked out. People are, like, pulling people through windows in the courthouse to get a front row seat. Just everyone wanted to find out what was going on. To the rich white kid. To the rich white kid, yeah. So, yeah, massive, massive um, trial. So, Richard says that the money was left by his former business partner. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to try and Google Richard to help oh. me, but my phone just decided to start spitting. Oh, stuff it's out. fine. I can show you a picture. Look right here. Look Go there on, he is. Show me. And that's the police sketch of the man they think they were looking for. So kind of spot on. How do they know? Where have they gotten the image from? Look, I'm not telling you all the story. I'm only telling you bits of it because I can't be bothered. Okay. okay. Thank you. I don't know. There's lots of theories to this, and this is very kind of roughly going over this case. I do suggest that if you want to find out more about this, turn this podcast off and go look for yourself. Go watch the documentary because... You're here for the facts. You're here for the entertainment. <laughs> yes. Um, he said that the money was left by a former business partner called Isidore Fisk. <laughs> um, or Fish. F-I-S-C-H. Fish. Probably is, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, Fish died in 1934 um, when he'd gone back to Germany. Um, and Richard's like, well, I kept the money because there was a business deal that he didn't give me my share, so I kept the money. 
They also found, however, a notebook containing drawings of the construction of the ladder, very similar to the one that was found by Charlie's bedroom window. They also found John Condon's number and address written on the wall in the house. Um, and there was a section of floorboards that were removed in his attic that just so happened to be the same kind of wood that the ladder was made out of. Um, well, what a coinky dinky. <laughs> yeah. Um, the ladder is also... It's like it was three sections that had like a wooden slat that kind of went in horizontally in each bit to like hold it apart. So, I uh, don't know. He was a carpenter though, so maybe he knew that was how you could make ladders. Um, however, the defence obviously said that there was no fingerprints. It was all circumstantial evidence just because they found all this stuff doesn't actually forensically tie him to this murder, which, okay, yeah, all right, but yeah. But he tried to put across in court that he was like this hardworking man, that he was very respectful, and they did a little bit of digging, and not the case. He had a criminal record in Germany, and this is this guy's backstory, which tickled me. It tickled me. If <laughs> you ready. So, this is not funny. It's this horrible stuff he did, but it made me laugh. Okay. Um, he once used a ladder to climb into the mayor's house to steal money. So, literally... <laughs> He's got form. <laughs> he, him and another man held up two women who were pushing a baby's pram up at gunpoint. Um, he, how he got to America... So ladder and child-related crimes. Yes. He escaped jail, was a stowaway on a ship, and then lied his way through American immigration to get there. <laughs> Criminal mastermind. Well, not so much a mastermind, because... Go um, the trial lasted six weeks and on February the 13th, 1935, obviously, the jury found Richard Hartman guilty and he was sentenced to death. He was offered a deal and was told that um, they are so convinced that he did not act alone on this. They think that there was more than one person that stole the baby. Um, they struck a deal with him and said... If you tell us who the other person is or who the other accomplices is, then we'll spare your life. And he he didn't tell them. Never even ever admitted to it. He always said he was innocent. And he was put to death by electric chair the 3rd of April, 1936. So... to avoid the war. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Okay, so... There's many theories about um, other people that could have been involved, people that, um, you know, like the cemetery man. Who would have fought against Germany? If he would have fought against Germany? Oh, yeah. Well, let's let's dive a little Actually, bit. The Americans didn't fight the Germans all that much anyway. They fought the Japs, didn't they? Yes. Um, Most of the Russians and us. I didn't write this down, but Charles Lindbergh um, was very anti-war. He apparently changed his mind. He he apparently um, he wasn't happy with the fact that America went to war in World War Two, and apparently he only changed his mind after the attack on Pearl Harbor. And I'm like, oh, bother when it affects you, are you? Funny how that works out. But anyway, it's kind of the case for basically everything in war, though, isn't it? <sighs> 
Yeah, I guess. But, like, I guess World War was a bit of a... It was fucking... That's not even a fair point to be like, it was genocide. Because there's genocide happening all over the world. So, anyway, I don't know. Um, so, some other theories about people that could have been involved. The one thing they were thinking about is, well, Richard only had a third of the money. So where was the rest? Yeah. Was it, was it split? Um... The Roger, you got to imagine he must have been able to spend some of it more successfully. Yeah, maybe. Because there's no chance that you get all of that money and that you just instantly go, oh, well, I'm going to spend it on a bit of petrol. Yeah. Like, that's, that can't imagine be the... That's, that's the, the sort of risk... Though. That's the sort of risk that you make once you, re- once you think that the dust has settled, isn't it? It's not the sort of thing that you go out and you do the yeah. first time round, surely. I guess he must have thought at that point that... That's it. Times past. They're obviously. That's what I mean. That's what makes you think that he he must have already spent some of it. He must have. He must have. Mind you, it's a bit of a mundane purchase, isn't it? So Mm. maybe that is exactly the sort of thing you start off with. Well, I think that they did. um, They did circulate a list of the serial numbers to quite a like far radius of um, places that he could have spent the money, but they didn't have. they didn't have computers back then, did they? Not in the 20s, not in the 30s. No. So how would they... That would have had to have been done by humans. Check it. You can't check every bit, or can you? No. So I can't see how that... Oh, yeah. Um, the investigation was shut down completely after Hamlin's execution because it was kind of like... Because this was such a, a worldwide scandal, or especially in America, um, they just wanted to get someone for it, and it's a case of like, okay, that's... Almost like it doesn't matter who, as long as we get someone for it. We yeah. want justice. It's not even like the first version of that that we've heard, is it? No. We've had that before in other podcasts where they just want they want to get the guy, don't they? Yeah, and especially as like you said, like it's this white um, rich kid, rich kid, the beautiful blonde girls. Like you know, there were celebrities. Obviously, the public adore them and want justice. So yeah, unfortunately, after that, it was kind of shut down. Um, it's a bit like the McCann case, though, isn't it? She's a kid, like a kid of a fucking doctor. Uh, that's it. Little. And how many kids go missing? Beautiful every day? sort of blonde, yeah. blue-eyed, blue. I don't know. But, she you know, had like, cute um, little kid. Like, she had a weird fleck on her eye, like the the black middle bit of her eye came out into the coloured part of her eye. Um, it's like a rare genetic thing, I think. And they were told not to make a point of bringing that up because you know what's the next thing they're going to do pop the damn kids eyes out mm. um but they did so yeah uh, she had like a an eye um condition deformity thing but yeah blonde haired young girl from rich parents if that, we've always said if that was um a couple of parents at fucking butlins from a council estate that left their kids to go out and have dinner. Those parents be in prison. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Um, So... Mind you, like the boy said, the other side of that is that, of course, if they are innocent and they're just, alright, there's a bit of neglect or whatever, taking the other kids off of them when one of their kids could very well be dead through no fault of... Well, through... Yeah. Questionable fault of their own. But, like, you know, if they didn't do it... Yeah. Hypothetically, if they didn't, then that it would, would be, be a bit sort of uh, soul in the wound, wouldn't it? It yeah, it really would. There must have been some sort of social involvement. There has to have been. 
Like, just at least some preliminary checks on, like, how the other kids get on and stuff. I would like to say we could do a podcast on that. And maybe because we are of a very small listenership at the minute, we could get away with it. No, they'll sue us. They'll sue everyone. (laughs) But they do like to sue people. (laughs) So, maybe not. Maybe we'll find some other um, rich kids to talk about. Um, Yeah, so the investigation was shut down. Um... Uh, another weird thing about this is that the man John Condon put himself forward to be the middleman, and both parties just accepted him. They were like, "Okay, you can you can be the middleman then," which is just a bit. He must have had something on somebody. Yeah, um, and there was. Uh, he was the only person to meet the man in the cemetery as well, and they they met more than once. Um, there was a total of fifteen ransom notes from the kidnapper um, that's what I mean there's quite a lot to it I, we would have been here hours otherwise if I'd gone into all of it and there's strange marks at the bottom there's like red rings or blue rings or something at the bottom and they're theorising whether that means something I'm not entirely sure myself because um, the supposed writer of these letters couldn't string a sentence together um, but the handwriting experts and this now obviously which they didn't have back then is all put through computers and they can analyse the handwriting like the angle of certain letters and the height of them and, and it's all rather than a human assessing the handwriting it's a computer assessing it so it's a lot more um, regimented and reliable and they said these notes were definitely written by one person they were written by Richard Houtman. Um and some of the things they looked at the time to note was him that when he was asking for the ransom money he put the dollar sign after the numbers um, which is apparently a German way of writing something, rather than like dollar sign fifty thousand, which is yeah, that normal way. way. Yeah. Um. So Charles Lindbergh did not trust the police. He kept the ransom notes and the negotiations with the kidnappers secret. He didn't tell the police about a lot of that, which I don't know. I guess maybe. There was some talk about um, how the police kind of did botch up the case a little bit and they weren't great. So I, but to be, I can understand to a degree why you would maybe. And also, if you've had a note saying, don't involve the police because we're going to kill your kid. You wouldn't want to involve the police. You, you might not want to. So I would let <laughs> him off on that one personally. Um, there is, there's, so there's quite a few theories about stuff. I'm going to tell you just of one of them. And that is eugenics. <laughs> um, they, there is a rumour that Charles Lindbergh was worried that Charlie would not grow up to be like the perfect, strong, healthy male. And there was rumours that Charlie had a disability. Um, the family doctor apparently said that Charlie had a large open fontanelle, like their soft spot, which should be shut by then and he had difficulty standing up um he was put on vitamin supplements for um a moderate rickety condition so there's a chance he had mild rickets and people that believe this theory think that charles limber could have possibly been involved in the kidnapping of his own son like get rid of my Get rid of him, yeah, and put him in an institution because, unfortunately, that's what they did with people back then. But, you know, 
um which would if i guess if if there wasn't certain elements with the skull fracture problem that would then maybe they said um that theory would stand up because it could have been a case of they only meant to kidnap him to put him in an institution in the middle of the night accidentally dropped him from the top of the ladder oh my god they've killed him need to cover it up but that's obviously not the case so they don't think that's what it is um but there's also the chance that because if Lindbergh was involved in this he could have then told someone like okay we're going to be there Tuesday because it was obviously normally weekends over there um I don't know how true that theory is it was just one that interested me um although I do think it's very um difficult you kind of don't want to assume just because someone's German that they're into eugenics um but yeah it's one of those things I guess where we might not ever know you definitely got one person for it I'm sorry I definitely think he was guilty that guy yeah I mean he was he, he's had a, even if he didn't do it himself he's had a part hasn't he yeah a significant part in it but I mean part of me was thinking like he's literally committed crimes against children in the past absolutely and, and he's got away with it committed crimes with homemade ladders yeah like what more do you want um is there a cat in the garden, Evie? Probably. So, I don't know. I don't think we'll ever find out if there was another accomplice. My my thought is maybe he did just do it on his own because if he was a carpenter, surely he would have set up that ladder um, that came in three parts so that maybe he could have carried it himself. And maybe, right, maybe he did get away with spending the other money because how would they have been able to track it all? Yeah, they must have. So... I, do, I don't know. It could be either way. Like... It's not entire. I'm not entirely set on the fact that you wouldn't necessarily go out and do something simple like a fuel. Like you're not going to go out and straight away and buy like a fucking car or something, are you? No, that would be too. That would be too obvious, wouldn't it? But yeah, the the, the rest of the money was either spent and not noticed or never found. Um. Well, yeah, he's de- he's one hundred and ten percent involved in that. Absolutely, kind of annoying though. I think this is why we both kind of feel about the death sentence, though, isn't it? Like how irritating. Yeah. But I can totally understand why people would want justice for someone that you know has, you know, struck a kid in the head and killed him, a baby. Especially if it's to such force. Absolutely, to the to the point that it to would... one side of the head that it fractures the yeah, other. Yeah, that I mean that's barbaric. But um. So yeah, there's your bedtime story. Sleep well. Try not to think too much of kids being bashed in the head. Uh, it was a case that interested me. What do you think? Um, any oh. any closing remarks <laughs> about that? I'm not sure, really. I would love to know if that case happened today, though, how different it would have been. Well, they'd have all sorts, wouldn't they? They'd get, like... You know, she talked about, oh, well, you think they had gloves, so there's no, mm. there's no DNA, there's no fingerprints on the ladder, but you'd be getting glove fibres, yeah, and all sorts, wouldn't you? Now shoe prints and yeah, uh, like yeah, mm. they'd they'd know so much more about it. It it could have been a very different story. And also, imagine that being done by an immigrant in today's America <gasps> as well. God, yeah. Especially to somebody famous or like yeah. high importance. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. Um, have you got Ben? 
Give us your good thought. What did you do this weekend? I went to a proper live music festival and it was fucking amazing and I loved every bastard minute. It was just so good. I, I just... Like... Best band you saw? Uh, there was a band called Baboon Show, which sounds ridiculous, but honestly, they were so, so good. Like, there was this, they're this Swedish, like, old-fashioned style punk rock band. The lead singer is, like, this mad fucking Swedish girl, and she just, she just, she just comes out and, like, fucking battles her way through the whole set. <laughs> she's, she's amazing, and they were so good. Uh, but I saw Popes of Chillertown, who were awesome. Uh, Cap Down, who were incredible. Zebrahead are always good fun. Um, the Skints. The Skints, who we're going to go see again in a few weeks' time. Um, which is like our personal favourite, isn't it? We love them. Yeah, um, they're good. Uh, no FX? No FX. Had to leave No FX, though. Oh. But, yeah, because it was just a thing about not wanting to wait for hours in the queue to get out. Um, which oh, we had to do shame. anyway. <laughs> oh man! For I oh, will go now. We'll beat the we'll beat the queue. Do you no effects came on lo- fucking late though. I'm the sure fan. they did, because I think I can only remember them playing one or two songs, and it was like quarter to ten. The set was supposed to finish at ten. Oh. So they must have, they must have come out so late. Yeah. I don't know if it's other bands, that, but yeah, like it was oh. just it was amazing. It was it like. We all wore these sombreros and I was vehemently against that idea. Um, and then, like, in about ten minutes in, I just realised how good an idea it was because everybody else was just wearing black pretty much or, like, <laughs> just, like, normal clothes. We're there in, like, Hawaiian shirts and sombreros and stuff and it was just... It was cool That's because, why. one, it was, it was a, an interesting way to, like, be able to find each other mm-hmm. uh, in the crowds. Um, and, two, like... Loads of people got involved. Loads of, loads of people come up and like, oh, can I get a photo with the hat? And like, it was just, when you were walking around, people just suddenly start shouting like, Arriba! It was, oh, it was, it was just brilliant. I'm it really was... sorry to piss on your chips, but you know that episode of Friends where it's like, a basket of mini muffins? People went crazy for those overwork. That's sad that people get, oh my God, a sombrero, I must get a picture with it. I think because we're all wearing them, we all had Hawaiian shirts on. It weren't just like, you know, it, it weren't just like one person wearing a sombrero. Yeah. Stop fucking pissing. You want I'm, to piss no, I'm sorry. I'm glad you had a great time. No, you're not. Are you? Aren't you glad I didn't come now? You've been wearing a sombrero too. I would not. I would absolutely not have been um, getting involved in that. You no. would have. No. Yes, you would. I would have been. No, I wouldn't. I would have said something like, no. No, Stop I'm trying not, to be I'm all cool, Andrew. You'd have loved it. No, I wouldn't. Um, I guess I should go let that dog out because she wants to go chase a cat. You're having um, fun? Oh, what's mine? That I'm enjoying my job. I'm really enjoying it. And yeah. the people I work with are lovely. And um, They'd wear sombreros. They don't wear sombreros. They, they play, would wear sombreros. I mentioned that I play Stardew Valley and then one girl was like, Oh my God! Turn around to the guy behind me and was like, please, she plays Stardew Valley too. And now that's all we're doing. And tomorrow, I can guarantee, Monday morning, that's what's going to be. Who completed their goals on their Stardew Valley farm this this weekend? Because we were all excited that we all had a free weekend and we're like, yes. I have not, so I should probably do that because I need to get my wine cellar and um, start aging my wine to get <laughs> some money so I can buy a new weapon to be a better fighter. Okay. Um, there we go. That's my happy thought. 
I'm going to go play Stardew Valley now. And you were taking a piss out of Sombrero. Right. Shut up. <laughs> it's a great game. It's a great... Do you know what? It's like one of the highest top best played games on Steam. I'm sure it is. I'm sure I read somewhere like more people play that than The Witcher or something oh, like and, that. And like another extension of that as well. Uh-huh. Uh, I met some people from this... We're, I'm part of this great Facebook community uh, where we're all fans of this one band, but it extends to a lot more than that. It's a lot of shit posting, a lot of t- talking about sort of general Scar adjacent stuff. We're just talking just between ourselves as a community about pretty much anything that's not relevant. Oh, when you met them, and I met a couple of people from it. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. um, like obviously there's some, there's like a good few thousand members, but like I met like three, but still like I met them oh, all in the same place as well, cool. which was awesome. So like there yeah. were a couple, um, and then there was another girl who came along, and like she was like, oh she <laughs> she came down to Cap Down. She was like, well, I figured if I was going to meet you anywhere, it'd be a Scar show. I was like, I love the fact that you know me so well. <laughs> Oh, online communities are great. They are. Uh, speaking of, um, go and join our group, Ben's Bedtime Stories. And get involved in our online community. Get involved in our we don't have a community. community. We don't have a community. <laughs> we have a few people. Um, enjoy your week. Um, try not to um, kidnap any babies. Um, don't be a victim of a crime yourself. Stay very safe. Um, over and out. Good summary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye, Ben. Bye.